Hey guys, thank you for coming back to another episode of the Cherry Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Tanisha Cherry. As you know, this is part two of my podcast episode about viral Black Lives Matters related callouts that we've seen in pop culture and on social media. I'm having this conversation with my homegirl, Carly. Her username is at your girl Carly on all social media platforms. So if you haven't already, go ahead and follow her page. Show her some love. Let her know that you've listened to this episode. And let's go ahead and continue the conversation. I um, spoke at one of the protests here in Edmonton. And everybody was, like, sharing their stories. And, like, I (laughs) – one of the protests was led by, like, one of my friends from high school. So we've been friends for, like, years and years and years. And, like, his whole family is, like, black entrepreneurs. And, like, we have a really, really good – relationship so he was like my friend Carly is here do you mind if you want to speak and I was like "Mm, okay (laughs) and so I mean a lot of the time something that I've kind of struggled with over these past couple weeks is people being like well Carly like you're light skin you're not black and that's like a whole different conversation that we can get into but we have to record an episode on that literally I would love to do that because everybody's got something to say but Mm -hmm. um I was like, you do realize that like my first ever experiences with racism were people saying you're not black or you're not dark enough to be black Mm -hmm. or you're so light for a black person. Mm -hmm. Like you're literally making comments towards what is my acceptable skin color to be considered black. Mm hmm. Like, there's not a benchmark. <laughs> like, black there's is no black. Benchmark. There's, like, the same thing that we're fighting for is we have to remember within ourselves, like, black people come in all shades, different. Uh-huh. I don't know what it is about living in this building every time I record a podcast with these police, these EMS trucks. Back to what I was saying, um, we, we're multifaceted. We look different. We don't all look the same. We have to remember that, you know. Not every black person's black experience is going to be the same, but we need to be accepting of it all because we're all fighting against the same thing. It's racism Mm -hmm. against black people. And just because that racism is different than what you're experiencing as a black person doesn't mean that it's not worth mentioning. We need to definitely remember that. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I think that what you said earlier, too, about like how racism comes in all types of shapes and forms, I feel Mm -hmm. like – so many people right now are like oh well racism is like refusing services because of your skin color or like exactly people dying because of your skin color blah 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 and I was like literally racism is can be anything there's microaggressions of racism there's all this kind of stuff like when I was younger some girl called me like a gap tooth bitch and I was like Mm -hmm. oh because I mean it's not uncommon to know that a lot of black people have gaps in their teeth it's like a very black trait Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, you really just came for me for that without mm-hmm. without without the words of being like, oh, it's because you're black. You just mm-hmm. picked you picked out a predominantly black feature that I have. Yeah. Or your lips are too big or your nose is wide and takes up your whole face or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like something that is, you know, a common feature in the black community. Like there's yeah, there's so many levels to it. And it's crazy because I feel like living in Canada, we're not conditioned or educated to identify all of them. And with a lot of us being the first generation to like immigrant parents, we don't we don't identify that as well as Americans. Mm-hmm. So we grow up internalizing it and it messing with us psychologically, not realizing like that is racism and that's not right and we should call it out. A hundred percent. 
So the other thing that I've been seeing, um, because during all of this, I've been on Instagram a lot and, you know, we've been sending each other DMs and just in this last week, I've been kind of going back to Twitter. Twitter is my favorite um, social media, by the way. Twitter is amazing. Twitter is a life. Like Twitter is where I get all my tea, honey. And I went on to Twitter and I was like, oh, there's a whole nother movement happening on here. So I saw that a lot of former Vogue, um, well, Condé Nast employees and Refinery29 employees were sharing their poor treatment um, that they received while working at these publications. And I was just like, oh, wow. Um, Since then, it's resulted in um, Christine Barberidge, the editor-in-chief and co-founder of Refinery29, resigning Mm -hmm. after a number of Black women and other women of color publicly came forward about discrimination they experienced while working at the company. Um, A lot of people have been sharing their experiences under the hashtag black at r29 which i i love like black twitter is the best first of all like we have the best hashtags uh-huh. we go in we retweet and support people we jump in on the cause like i love it and then Condé nas employees um i noticed that a girl that i follow shelby christie a fashion historian and an nyu student and a former employee of vogue she shared her experience of working there and since people have been coming in underneath sharing what they have received the racism they've experienced and also the classism that they've experienced and did you get a chance to read through all those um tweets or some of them anyways I definitely did look at some of them I think um let me see if I can find the thread it's from Shelby Christie is the one that I like read the most like I read her whole thread and then also the comments yeah about Vogue Mm -hmm. And it like I'm not surprised. And also I read like the yeah, the the other ones that go into Black at R29 from Clea mm-hmm. Underwood. Mm-hmm. I read those too, and I'm honestly not fucking surprised. Like I have a friend who works in New York in the fashion industry, and mm-hmm. she was like, "It's crazy." She's like an art director there, so one of the times she had to do like a pull for models for this campaign, and mm-hmm. like her boss was out of office so she took that opportunity to include more people of color and now they're mm-hmm. trying to they're trying to spin it as like a, okay put these all together to show the world that we're inclusive whereas like wow. whereas like the only reason it got done is because the boss had nothing to say like had no say in it so it was so exactly. he didn't have a chance to reject it that's so terrible when I've been reading through some of the tweets, I'm just like, this is horrible. And it's crazy because these publications are so important to the industry and almost like they feel like they're so above all everything that they've been getting away with this for years. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that this is happening because I've been re- um, reading the current memoir of Andre Leon Talley, mm-hmm. which is a former editor, um, fashion editor at Vogue and also the former right-hand person for Anna Wintour, who is the current editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine, and she has been for 30-something years now, Mm -hmm. um, the longest editor-in-chief. And it's it's crazy reading his memoir because he pretty much talks about all the publications that he um, wrote for, his knowledge in fashion, how close he was with a lot of these – designers like Carl Lagerfeld, Yusei Laurent, like the actual people, mm-hmm. not like the head like designer, like the actual people that founded mm-hmm. and created um, these brands who are the namesake and how they just discarded him so quickly and how he was so disposable and how an editor called him um, the King Kong in fashion, like referring to him as a monkey and some of the racist terminologies that they talked about him, um, said about him. And I'm just like, 
that's terrible. And they get away with it because they are considered the upper echelon. And he talks about how Anna Wintour, like, she would um, turn down a lot of his articles or, you know, his um, editorials that he would do and with no explanation, like a normal business person would do or a boss would. No explanation, no feedback, just like, "Mm, we're not using it. That's Mm -hmm. it. You know, like he wasn't able to have a debate with her, even with them being friends and the end of their friendship. Like there wasn't even a conversation. There wasn't an argument. It's just that literally she just took him off the list for things. She started stopped calling him on his birthday, on his birthday holidays. You know, she started stopped inviting him places. And the same thing with Carl Lagerfeld, God rest his soul. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but same thing with him. He just started taking him off the list, off of um, PR lists and stuff and stopped inviting him to his shows. And I'm like, that's terrible. And this is how they treat apparently the gatekeepers in fashion because they're black. And even thinking about him, the amount, first of all, he knows way more about the industry and is more um, creative than Anna Wintour is. Let's keep it real. Mm-hmm. And she only kept him at a certain you know, level. Like she really never allowed him to fully flourish. And in her mind, she's probably thinking, I did this and this for Andre, but you really didn't. You didn't put him in a position to really build his brand and be successful. You know, you only gave him enough. That's it. Absolutely. No, I agree. It's a hot mess. It really is. And I know we keep saying a hot mess, but it is. It's a hot, stinky, sweaty mess. And I feel bad for a lot of these former employees of these publications because I'm sure they went to school for some sort of journalism or fashion. And these were the publications they looked up to prior to working there. And then to get there and be treated so terribly. And some of them are like making... Oh my gosh, let's get into the the pay gaps. Like one girl was saying that she was making $50,000 less than the previous person that worked in that role and other people that had that same title in different departments. And I'm just like, in New York, that's a huge difference. New York is an expensive place to live. Mm-hmm. And to think that you're barely getting by and they're expecting so much work from you and then treating you bad on top of it. like Absolutely you know, not. It's so much. And I'm happy that the editor-in-chief of Refinery29 resigned. Um, Hannah Wintour, you know, Condé Nast has already made a statement that, like, she's not going anywhere. But she came out with a statement basically saying, like, you know, I have not found ways to incorporate more Black photographers, models, and <laughs> and creators in Vogue magazine. And I'm laughing because this is what started the Vogue, cha- um, the Vogue challenge that you see people doing on social media where people are using – they're creating pictures that are almost like the covers of the magazine. Uh And that was started because people were like, well, this is how you do it. Like, (laughs) what do you mean you haven't found ways? Like, sweetheart, you're the head honcho at this publication. Like, you can do anything you want. And I know some people will think, well, they have put Black people on the cover. Certain Black people, they use the same people over and over. And I know people are going to bring up um, Beyonce and the black photographer that she used for her cover, but that was selected by Beyonce. Beyonce wrote her um, cover story article herself. Like she created that opportunity because she's Beyonce and they are basically going to bow down to anything that yeah. she says. But it's not like everybody regular- can fucking do that. <laughs> exactly. Not everybody can do that. And it's just, it's, it's crazy that this is happening. Something also that we mentioned earlier that I noticed when I was reading through these t- um threads is a lot of people on Twitter um, mentioned in these threads that they're not able to speak out due to NDAs being attached to their severance. So 
one thing I thought that was crazy. First of all, do you think brands should be allowed to do this? Like, is it ethical? Like, how do you measure? Um, and I don't know if ethical is the right word to use, but how do you measure that they're doing the right things? You know, HR wise, if there's a NDA attached to a severance, like, I think that's crazy. I've never heard of that before. Um, so like NDAs in certain businesses, a lot of the time are standard practice. Now Mm -hmm. that could be because, um, of certain things. So for example, like Coca-Cola, they also Mm -hmm. probably have like a trade secret on their formula for their drink. So, like, if That's you are in yeah. that situation, they might get you to sign an NDA and then they might sneak other NDA type of clauses in there. And that's mm-hmm. just because a lot of the time businesses like that bank on you not reading your contract. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people don't. And a lot of people don't. And, um, I mean, it makes sense for certain industries. I understand where it's coming from for the fashion industry because, like, if you are in that, you are talking to sources and you're talking to people and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure they have non-competes and mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. But I believe mm-hmm. in the U.S. there is also, like, laws for whistleblowing. Um, yeah. Which means that I don't, I don't know the U.S. laws because, like, I obviously did not take U.S. law. I took mm-hmm. Canadian law. Um, but I'm pretty sure there's some type of, like, situation where you can whistleblow. And, like, you see a lot of that in, like, government because, like, yeah. government and stuff is really corrupt. But I feel like that potentially is a way to get around NDAs when it comes to stuff like that because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's not like you're blowing your whistle on – your coworker being mean to you it's like you're uncovering literally lack of human rights which is something that you should be able to speak on um a lot of the time too for example um do you know the trump stormy daniels situation no so basically like stormy daniels and came out and said that she had an affair with trump or something like that and she had signed an NDA and so obviously it was breaking her NDA coming out about it. Um, mm-hmm. And this was like when the Me Too movement and stuff started. Oh, so okay. she came out about it and basically what happened is Trump didn't move forward with any type of lawsuit because then – so he's like denying that he cheated, right? So if he mm-hmm. came forward with any type of lawsuit – he would have to in court acknowledge that an NDA exists, which therefore Mm -hmm. turns into, you know, basically admittance of guilt. Yeah. So you can also do it like that kind of way. Like if you knew it was in your NDA and what you couldn't, couldn't talk about. And like, Mm -hmm. it was something that you wanted to put your career on the line for. (laughs) You could do it like that. Because for certain things, like, if you brought it up and it was of, you know, a certain weight or gravity, the the information that you have could put that company out more than they could ever sue you or whatever for. I feel like with the NDAs, because as you mentioned, like, some business do it because of, like, creative stuff. Um, they don't want you poaching their clients and stuff. They don't want you sharing insider secrets. 
that I can understand. And I feel like that's fair, you know, as on the day-to-day business operations on how Mm -hmm. they do things um, that makes them successful or produce whatever they produce, then yeah, I 100% agree with that. But I feel like when it comes to behavioral things, I don't feel like as a brand, you should be able to um, put an NDA NDA and a clause in there saying that you can't speak about the treatment that you received there. No, you know, I, I, I just, agree with that terrible. too. I agree with that too. I've signed NDAs for brands being like, I can't disclose like that. That's pretty standard practice. Like when it comes to how much you're getting yeah, like paid or like the exact stipulations behind mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, which makes you wonder now when we think about this whole pay gap between black influencers or, you know, influencers of color versus white ones. It's just like you almost feel like that shouldn't even be allowed because that's kind of what's contributing to the difference in our pay. No, I absolutely I absolutely agree. But I feel like for some of the things like you really just can't mm-hmm. you just, like there's some things that you just like can't disclose. And it's mm-hmm. not it's not because they're trying to silence you in any type of way. Yeah. For some parts of it, it's literally just like that's the standard practice in that industry when it comes to those certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, But for everything else, like when it comes to, I'm like speaking of it from like an influ, (laughs) I'm speaking of it from an influencer perspective versus Mm -hmm. like a career. Like when you go and you sign like these type of things. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have like a ton of perspective on NDAs and actual corporate careers because I've never had to sign an NDA in my corporate career. Um, you know, it's so funny when you mentioned that I've ha- so I've never had to sign one, but I know of people in organizations when bad things have happened where they've had to sign an NDA, which I think is crazy now that I think about it. Um, you know, I've heard of corporations where something has happened internally that should actually result in someone being fired because of what they did. It doesn't follow company policy. It is racist or whatever the case is, where they have maybe given a person like suspension of a certain amount of days with no pay. Maybe they've given them a warning where then all parties who are aware of the situation have had to sign an NDA. And it's funny that I'm thinking about this because I literally totally forgot about this. Um, But yeah, I know of a corporation doing that. And I think about it now. I'm like, that's terrible. Yeah. No, that person should be fired for what they did. Like, what are we doing here? And yeah, I think that a lot of that too is like, because a lot of corporations are built on like the false false sense of like brotherhood because I mean if you Mm -hmm. like want to get into it and blah 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 like a lot of like industries and top executives and stuff it's men who are white and it's old boys club vibes and blah 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 and that transfers forward and like obviously that is like a problem and all that kind of stuff stacked on top of each other and like that is an issue within itself but I I also wonder what would have happened if like the person who brought it to attention or whatever like if they didn't sign the NDA like what is the ultimatum mm-hmm. if they don't sign the NDA are they going to lose their job because they, they you can't actually do their- that like what like uh. that's so true honestly and then when I think about these ones being attached to their severance like you're basically saying you will get this check but you have to sign this paper like that's wrong you mm-hmm. shouldn't be allowed to do that and I think that's something that they need to look at um, for corporations, um, organizations, they need to look at that because it's honestly allowing companies to sit here and treat people poorly and unjustly. It, it's terrible. 
Um, a friend of mine, Dominique Baker, she's also an influencer out of Ontario, no, Ottawa. Um, and she spoke about on her Instagram stories the other day, and I thought it was really interesting, the lifelong impacts a public call out can have on one person. And she was sharing a story about someone, um, an acquaintance that she knew that had been publicly called out and literally like that stayed with them for the rest of their life. What do you think about that? I think, I mean, we all know I'm, I'm pretty pro call out. Like I know some people are, are not, <laughs> <You> are. <laughs> some people are not into the call outs. I am pretty pro call out because I am the, of the volition that if, if you yes, want volition, to be, big words. <laughs> if you want to put this out publicly or like have your opinion stated publicly, you can't expect to have it dealt with privately. So, for exactly. example, a situation that comes to my mind is there are girls in Edmonton, local girls in Edmonton, who like recorded themselves saying the N word in a song thought to themselves Mm. okay yeah this is great put it on their public profiles tagged their friends and then when I got a hold of it and I called them out for it I saw you post that on Twitter Mm. yeah so I got a bunch of like bullshit thinly veiled apologies at first about like oh like we didn't mean it blah 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 and I'm like you guys are so fucking stupid because I literally had university classes with some of you like I Mm. I know I know you're not actually like IQ level stupid (laughs) <laughs> like <laughs> you're just ignorant and so stuff like that my I I've continued to have conversations with these people and all this kind of stuff my kind of thinking when it comes to stuff like that specific type of situations is if you're going to do it publicly and then have somebody address it publicly you can't expect to have it go away if you only do the work in private Exactly. So if so, you're going to be out here mm-hmm. recklessly doing this shit and pu- like publishing it on your own personal profiles of your own fucking volition, then you k- kind of don't deserve to have it dealt with privately because you're going to disrespect people and be racist in public, but you want forgiveness of certain types of people who called you out for it in private when you refuse to address it in public. Like that just doesn't make sense it doesn't I personally I'm with you I'm here for the call outs and I just feel like no it's not something I need to be mindful of because at the end of the day like you're hurting people okay and as you said you know you did it in public so we're going to address it in public like you weren't you did not sit here and sit down and think that you know what are the impacts what's the impact that my actions are going to have on other people or a group of people? So why do I, and I feel like it comes back to like where black people were conditioned to think of the other people Mm -hmm. that are wronging us and always be critical about how we address things. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. You weren't thinking of my feelings or our whole group's feelings. So I'm not about to think of yours because at the end of the day, I'm thinking the end goal is more important, which is for you to stop because enough is enough. Absolutely. So I I feel the same about that. Um, I understand people are like against cancel culture and against blah, blah, blah. But honestly, yeah, because they're like, people can be suicidal. Like, what if they harm themselves? And it's just like, why aren't you worried about the people that are actually being impacted by these people's actions? Literally. Why are you not as upset? about that than you are about this like person so mm-hmm. I 100% agree I feel like I don't know call outs are a double-edged sword um I feel like sometimes before this like there were some things that 
maybe didn't need to be aired publicly that had nothing to do obviously with like race and stuff like that like just like petty drama but when it comes Mm -hmm. to stuff like this like racism isn't something that is like I don't even it's not just like a fun thing to like bring light to like if somebody's bringing light to this it's an actual problem exactly the last um, thing that I thought to bring into this, which is something I sent you rest, um, recently, there is a gelato company here called Righteous um, Gelato. If you don't know who they are, they were previously named Fiasco Gelato. I'm still trying to figure out the reason for the name change. I have no idea. But yeah, Righteous Gelato, <laughs> they came up with the idea to come out with a chocolate, mint chocolate chip flavor, brown gelato. We already hate it. <laughs> Right. I don't even like chocolate. Um, They decided to come out with that themed gelato that they were going to have online. And the artwork that they had on it was a bunch of protesters with their COVID mask um, that said, I can't breathe. And my Black eyes Lives are Matters. my eyes are literally rolled so far in the back of my goddamn <laughs> like, head. Like right I actually now. need to know. I actually need to pull up this imagery again because I just like what were you thinking? <laughs> what like whose idea was this? And we'll, we're going to get into all that, but um, I just it's a hot mess. So I'm looking at the artwork right now, and I'm just like, what? I I don't understand why you guys did this. So yeah, chocolate mint chip. Um, so they posted this on their social media. They said that they were going to be donating five dollars from the um, five dollars from it to a organization here in Calgary. And when I went to go look at the organization, it looks like they help a lot of newcomers, not really black people in the community. So it didn't seem like it was benefiting black people. And then when we looked to see who actually created the artwork, it was a local artist here in the city who is white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Problematic already. Righteous um, Gelato is a white-owned small business here in Calgary. The owner is white. The whole team, I believe, when you look on their website, is white. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, why? And, you know, I'm going to bring up a point that I brought earlier, that a lot of these brands, this is one thing I have, and I've had this dialogue with one of my friends, is that, you know, he feels that, you know, people may make mistakes. He had the best intentions. I just think he's a great guy. And I'm like, I feel like you think that because he's helping your community. Yeah. You know, he's helped. He's helped. Your community has benefited from him caring about community, but my community hasn't. So I'm sorry. I cannot sit here and equate him as a good person because of what he's just solely done for yours because my community hasn't been included in that, which I think is problematic in itself. And he's had ample opportunities to do things with the black community. I know that a hundred percent for a fact. And, you know, he's purposely alienated us from things that he should be doing. And, you know, I look at it like this, you would never approach the lgbtq plus community you would never just come out with a gelato just slap random artwork on it you know sit here and call it something i don't want to say anything because i don't want to offend anybody i'm totally an ally to that community um but say like you know a little a phrase that people think are common within that community or something they're using during their protesting like you wouldn't sit here and say pride gelato mm-hmm. and then throw in a bunch of sprinkles in it and stuff like that. And then just say that I'm going to sit here and donate it to, you know, groups that fight against inequality that don't actually help the LGBTQ plus community. But I guess they could fall under that realm because, you know, they experience inequality. 
you would never do that. You would reach out to someone that you know that's in that community and do your due diligence to make sure that you execute this and go about it the right way. That wasn't happened here. And that's where people feel like it was performative. And then also that, you know, you're trying to appear like you're doing something good for us and you're actually not because you're not even taking that time to educate yourself on what is the best practice to go about this. You know, these are my intentions, but how do I make sure that my intentions are actually seen through my actions? Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't happen. I remember I sent it to Carly. It happened at night. We saw it at like midnight. And I remember I sent it to her because I'm like, first of all, I don't even want to discuss this tonight because I don't want to ruin my sleep. But this is something we didn't talk about tomorrow. So mm-hmm. what was your first impression when I sent that to you? I Okay, well, also, Tanisha literally sent it to me. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand how fucking tired we are. And um, <laughs> it's not even like I have the all of the weight of like doing my own shit, trying to make my own business. But now I have the weight of being everybody's fucking one black friend suddenly. So. Girl. <laughs> I'm tired of people sending me stuff like send that to your mama and your white friends. Okay? Literally your stepmama that doesn't like black people, your grandparents that sit here and make a comment about our complexion. Send this stuff to them. I already know what's up. Okay? Literally. So I'm like, we're like fucking quadruple exhausted at this point. So when Tanisha mm-hmm. sent it to me, I was like, I love you, but I literally can't get into this with you right now. Cause we get, we get heated. <laughs> it's not even like we fight. It's just like, we're just like, Oh my fucking God, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I, I don't have the mental capacity to deal with this. But then by no, the time the next day it was gone and I was like, Oh my fucking yeah. God. Um, they deleted it off their page. Oh they deleted gosh. it off their page. And like, originally I, I literally went to their page and they have so many more things than I when I was there last when I saw it um mm-hmm. and so I mean at first I was like you know what their apology seems like decently like they're moving in the right direction blah 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 and then they posted some other shit and I was just like they don't get it <laughs> so <laughs> when I see the way they're responding back to comments that people that are still calling them out about it saying that you're censoring us by deleting that because basically now people cannot see what we said to you uh-huh. and that's a form of censorship and <sighs> it's a mess like <laughs> it's a mess it's a hot fucking mess and like also what you said earlier about how like suddenly all these brands are down to support black owned businesses or black organizations or xyz it's like what was stopping you before like exactly nothing was stopping you before these these things didn't just pop up overnight like you can definitely tell that they only cared about certain organizations or things that directly benefited their white privilege and exactly it's just like it's transparent and shit like that like it just doesn't make sense it just doesn't make sense how any of that went into like production like is their whole team white because it it has to be if they're out yep. here being like, you know what we should do? Protesters with COVID and I can't breathe. Like how it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that's so fucking insensitive. Yo, that Imogen actually was such a trigger for me. It like I had to come off my phone after I saw that. I was like, no. There is just way. so I many. Can't just, believe. There's so many problems. <laughs> there's so there's so many problems. There's so many problems. Why would you make it chocolate? Like I get it. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I get it at first. People are like, Oh, maybe we should do this. But then they don't see how by doing that, like specifically a chocolate flavor is also just perpetuating racism. And people might be out here. Like it's a fucking ice cream flavor. It's like, okay, it's an ice cream flavor. Why didn't you make it white chocolate cheesecake? Yeah. Because these are the, these are the microaggressions that people 
continuously do and find no problem with it. And this is why people need to reflect on how they've spoken to people, Black people, because I don't like using the term people of color, (laughs) but Black people, you know, how how do they, you know, what perception do they have of us before we even open our mouths? What is that dialogue? What language do they use when they're speaking to us? What assumptions have they made? You know, unconscious bias. Those are the things that we need you to reflect on and change about yourselves because you all do it. You all do it. (laughs) You all do it and contribute to it in some way. And some things aren't as damaging, but some things are. And it's just like, this is how we create change is looking internally and really acknowledging what we have done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. So I was telling Carly before we started actually recording the podcast, right before we hit record, that there's been developments. So they made the apology, as she mentioned. Um, I thought it was like, you know, it was a fair apology. They um, mentioned everything that people had said on the post prior to them deleting all the problems that they had. They identified all the errors that they made, which I thought is good. You have to acknowledge that. One thing I always keep in mind is when you make these apology statements, you cannot make them with the um, expectations that people are going to forgive you for what you did. That's just the starting point of getting forgiveness or making things right. And I need people to realize that you saying some I'm sorry is not going to make things perfect, but it, it is the starting path of that. So they did that. And I've been looking at the comments underneath the post and I was just like, you still are coming off defensive in your explanations. You know, you keep pushing this narrative like, we had great intentions. We just executed it um, bad. It's like, no, it's not. You didn't really have the best intentions because I can't believe that if you wholeheartedly had the best intentions that you would have made this many mistakes. Like maybe you would have made a mistake. Maybe the chocolate chip, like the flavor would have been a mistake, you know. But then there was um, so many other mistakes that it's clear that y'all yeah. did like, oh. You, as usual, you didn't think about us. And that's the problem. You did not think about us. So since that's happened, there has been a CTV article. There's been a 660 News. And I'm just like, oh, wow. The news is all over that. And I've definitely heard from, like, you know, inside sources, because I have those, mm-hmm. that they have news outlets have been reaching out to people that have been commenting on it and getting their perspective and reporting. And I'm just like, well, they're hearing it from the community itself. So I don't know what they're going to be able to do going forward. Um, after seeing this, I did post one of my really great friends, Benny Johnson. He has a media platform called 10 at 10 that I used to work with um, like a couple of years ago. And I posted him on my Instagram stories saying like, I need you guys in Calgary to follow him and to reach out to him because a lot of you guys don't know what you're doing. A lot of you guys are looking for black community leaders and he's definitely a pillar in our community i need you guys to reach out to him and not to pick his ear Mm -hmm. for free no Mm -hmm. but like these are the brands that have always existed that are huge in our platform that you take from some of you guys gelato company Mm -hmm. (laughs) you steal their ideas and then you promote it on a larger scale to benefit you and your community But this is the guy you guys need to be speaking to. And I've been highlighting a lot more YYC businesses because you guys pretend like we're not here. And we are. We are moving and shaking. And I'm going to need you guys, if you really are serious, to put your money where your black square is because we're not buying it. Yep. A hundred percent. It's a mess. So what do you think brands can do um, to get ahead of things like this? Like for what can they do? What can brands do if they 
have a past of only working with white people and they only have a staff of white people, what are the first steps they can do besides posting on social media? Everyone's done that, but what can they really do behind the scenes? Um, I definitely think that what they really can do is start working on their inclusivity. Maybe that means okay. hiring or diversifying their staff of all white people. Maybe if it's even in a part-time position. Like I'm I'm sensitive to the, to the fact that businesses don't have millions of dollars. Like every single business is in the fucking Fortune 500 business. But yeah, they can't just hire on a bunch of 30 black people out of nowhere yeah. and not have any work for them to do. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, not every single person in every single position is probably performing to their best of their ability. And there's probably have exactly. been there's been complaints. complaints in the past or like you're thinking that maybe I want to let them go. Like if you're thinking that and the the opportunity is correct and it's for the, the actual reasons, it's not just so you can hire somebody of color because that also is wrong. Yeah. Um. Then maybe take take the action on that. And then diversify your team that way. And then if you if everybody in your team is great and you're blah, 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 and that's fantastic, then work on diversifying your influencers. Like I've had companies reach out to me that's like, you know what? We didn't even realize, you know, we really want to try and all this kind of stuff. And you can definitely tell also the tone in the email, like if it's just like a, a generic copy paste or if it's like an email from the heart. And yeah. There are brands that are reaching out that are emails from the heart that are are like, you know what, we didn't even realize. And it's not that we are not racist. It's just we have not been good allies or we are not be- being good for this because we didn't understand before. And now that we have this education, we're going uh-huh. to use this education and take action and move forward. And that includes paying or including other black creators or things like that and I mean I also yeah Mm -hmm. I also understand not every brand has a budget and stuff like that but it's it's about making the action in whatever way you can like maybe that is starting to highlight something that like a lot of people have asked me a lot of like my white influencer friends have asked me it's like well how can I keep doing this in a way that's not just like resharing and resharing and when we go back into Mm -hmm. our quote-unquote like regular content and I was like you know the same way that you do a fucking follow Friday every single week instead of it being like 10 white influencers shout out 10 black influencers or 10 black businesses like it's not like it's not a lifestyle change it literally is just being more inclusive and more mindful and working to be Mm anti-racist so somebody told me um i read this on twitter they said that diversity is getting invited to the party inclusity is inviting me to dance Mm -hmm. at the party and i'm just like there you go people as simple as that i think one thing that brands can definitely do is getting a third party on the outside to if you're really serious about change to come into your organization and start talking to your employees one by one anonymously and documenting their experiences working there and then putting that data together and presenting it to the leadership team of these are the experiences that your employees said that they have experienced and you know going from there because it starts with your company. Mm-hmm. How have you been treating your employees? How have your employees been treating each other? How have their complaints been looked at and reviewed at? You know, I think that would be a big thing. And also reaching out to former employees, it really starts internally. 
And when you identify that, it's just like, wow, we, when you see that on paper, we've done all this. And then you have that third party saying like, this is racist. This is racist. This is a microaggression. This is against the law. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) you know, I feel like that's something that a lot of brands, like they're creating these diversity and inclusion groups. No, you need to hire an outside person that specializes in this to come and speak to your team members and have your team members be able to speak candidly in a safe space knowing that something is going to happen with this, okay? And then have these third parties work with you actively to address all these concerns and strategize how you can change the atmosphere in your um, business because at the end of the day, that's all toxic. And people don't realize that your employees are the foundation of your company. If they don't feel good, if they're not healthy, if they're not happy, if you're not in an environment or atmosphere that, you know, allows them to flourish, that is going to affect your business, which is the other part I don't understand is that y'all care about the dollar so much, but apparently you don't because you leave off black people who spend billions and billions of dollars a year. And then it's like you leave off all these creatives that can really expand your business. You leave off all these intelligent, talented people that can really elevate you to the next level, but you don't want to because of the color of their skin. Absolutely. So it's like, are you serious? Like, I, I just don't get it. it. It doesn't make sense to me, but this is the world we live in. No, I completely agree. Um, I never even would have thought about external companies coming in to do that. And that is, I feel like, a really good way to elicit change. And mm-hmm. that is, like, I feel like actually a very good, very good way to, to start start the ball rolling. If you guys want to hire me and Carly, we are starting a farm. We do have consultation fees by the hour. That is the only free advice you're getting from us on this episode. Literally. <laughs> That's in our emails. So to end it off, um, so for those of us, because I know we've been talking, doing a roundup of call outs um, that have gone viral. Those of us who don't want to take the public call out route, because there are some people that just are not comfortable with it. How can those people hold people accountable? Um, have conversations, talk to these Mm -hmm. people, make sure that you are on them when they say things like Mm -hmm. the only way they're going to learn the only, the reason that a lot of people choose the call out perspective or the call out option is because it's, Mm -hmm. it's like a fast and hard option. Like, yeah. And it, it creates change quicker because of the, of the public image. Now, if you are not comfortable with that you just have to be on them in private like it's it's draining and it's ongoing and all this kind of stuff and you just gotta you just gotta keep working at it and I feel like eventually also if you're working at it with no response you'll eventually build up the courage to just call it out in public (laughs) Uh, (laughs) right Um, I 100% agree I've been doing it where I've been as an influencer I've been commenting on brands black squares or any anti-racism resource they posted on their feed and I've just been saying to them like hey I'd love to see you collaborating with more black creators on paid collaborations and showing us love on your feed and here I am a black creator you know like myself if you're looking for creators I'd love to be considered and I've actually had a huge amount of brands reach back out to me um, or follow up through DM or email Um, I've gotten a couple um, brand partnerships out of it but I've had brands reach out to me directly and be like, you know, yes, we are looking for um, creators. Like, let's take this offline and follow up further. And I've had brands say like, you know, 
we are actually in our fiscal year where it's like we're all our money is spoken for for the year, but we do want to send you stuff. We do want to add you to our list. And for me, I'm making a note of every single one of these brands because I want to follow up with them in the next few months by email and say, hey, you guys said that you did X, Y, Z, and these were the changes you were going to make. And I want to know where you are with that. You know, have you hired more black people? Yes. Have you actually, like, where's the receipts for your donation? Like, I don't see any of your ad campaigns changing. And for me, it's not about, like, making money out of the situation. It's not. It's, again, put your money where your black square is. Are you actually making changes, you know? Are you making changes? Are you actually proactively trying to com- um, be anti-racist? No, 100%. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So I'm just like, here, because you know what the thing is? We don't know how genuine a brand is until later when we come and follow up. So here is me giving you the benefit of the doubt that you say that you want to create change. Here I am. I'm volunteering. I will be the guinea pig because I know some people, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and some people are like, well, they weren't serious before. They're only doing this because of now. And like, it is what it is. I'm not going to work with them. But I also feel like, I feel like we should give people the opportunity, you know, give them the opportunity to make some sort of positive change and then see what happens. That that way we can say, well, this many influencers reached out to you and you're still pretending that you don't know any to follow up with or to work with or Literally. you're working with the same ones. So like, what is it? You know, I know. And I also feel like by doing this, I'm opening the door for other people because I'm sure you've seen, because I've tagged you in a few of them where some of the brands have responded back saying, yeah, we're going to message you. And they have. And then they're asking, do you know any other creators like yourself? And of course, I take all my homegirls because I'm like, there you go, sis. Mm-hmm. Here you are. So I feel like it's also and I've been doing that by email where I'm just like, thank you so much. Like, I'm excited to see where this goes. And then I'll be like, and I also have friends and I'll plug you guys in because I want you guys to win also. But I also want to create those open those doors to bring more of us through because that's really what the purpose is. We're trying to make effective change here. No, I completely agree. I think I'm going to go today on the route of like commenting on brands that I like to see what's going to happen, all this kind of stuff. I love it. Um, Thank you so much for coming on to my episode of the podcast. This has been a very long conversation and I told myself I would never record another episode this long and we made it even longer. Amazing. (laughs) Great. But we're going to, it is what it is. Like it was a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Um, This obviously will not be the last one. I feel like we came up with a dozen more ideas. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Things for us to talk about. So definitely tell the people um, any final thoughts you have and where they can find you and any exciting things that you have coming up that you want to share with my audience. Um, You can find me everywhere at Your Girl Carly, Y-O-U-R-G-I-R-L-K-A-R-L-Y. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all by that. And then my podcast, you can find it, Hey Bitches Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, what else? Oh yeah. I also, I kind of briefly talked about it in the beginning of the episode, but I also just recently launched a size inclusive athleisure clothing line called confidence club. So we Mm -hmm. offer sizing small to five X in nice, cute, trendy, good quality colors, fits, fabrics, because 
I don't know. I just thought that the fashion industry has not been very inclusive over the past couple of years. And I said, not today, bitch. So I started my own. So <laughs> if you would like to support, you can find it anywhere at Shop Confidence Club on TikTok, on Instagram. And they there will be a new launch coming in April, not April, August 2020. I'm so excited for you, and I can't wait. I'm still trying to figure out which color I want. Like, I'm. Just really I don't know. Right it's it's crazy because when I came out with all the colors, people who were like diehard pink fans are like, "I'm getting the yellow," yeah. and people who are like diehard yeah. like yellow fans are like, "I'm doing blue," and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> do what you want." I know it's kind of hard. I'm just like, I don't know because it's not like it's just regular colors. Like they're pastels, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, they those are gonna complement any. And that's the other thing, they're gonna complement any skin tone. I thought so about I'm just that. Like, <laughs> You did. I love that. I am so grateful for you coming on here. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm going to put that all in the show notes. And thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for having me. With your girl. You're welcome, boo. And that wraps up this conversation on the Cherry Lounge podcast. I'm so grateful for my girl, Carly, to come on and have this conversation with me. I honestly couldn't think of anybody else to talk about this with. You know, it's a serious topic. Everybody needs to hear it. So I really appreciate you guys listening to part one and two. If you're not already following Carly on all her social media platforms, her username is at your girl Carly. Make sure you're also following me on Instagram at Tanisha.Cherry and the podcast page, Cherry Lounge Podcast. If you are listening to this on a smartphone, take a screenshot and, you know, show me some love in the stories and I'll make sure to return the favor by reposting. The hashtags are loungewithcherry and hashtag the Cherry Lounge Podcast. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Later.